0: this is the happen to your career podcast with scott anthony barlow
1: we help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you figure out what does and make it
0: happen we help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it if you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change keep listening here's scott here's scott here's scott
1: Today on the to Your Career podcast, we're doing something a little bit different. And I know I've said that quite a few times. However, we're pulling back the curtains. We are going behind the scenes, and we want to show you how we here at HTYC work very differently. Why do I want to do that? Well, because you hear us talk all the time about things like strengths, how to create more fulfilling work, and how to do that through career changes. However, that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. What about when you get to your new role? What about if you're already in a leadership opportunity where you're helping to create work for other people and you're influencing their environment? How do you instead think about how you can create more fulfilling work for your team? So we want to show you some specific ways and examples and stories of how we do that here at HTYC. Are we perfect? No, absolutely not. Are we continually trying to find the ways and processes and systems and perpetually create more fulfilling work for our team? Yeah, absolutely. You better believe it. Because if not, then I probably wouldn't be able to sleep at night because I feel a high degree of responsibility to make sure that we're role modeling for the rest of the world. Okay, so today I have with me a very special guest. You've heard her many times on the Happen to Your Career podcast. Here with me is Cindy Gonos. Cindy has served many roles here at HTYC. She started with us on what we call our ETO team. We don't actually have traditional sales. We have a team that earns the opportunity to work with the the people that we serve on a deeper level. So that's where she started off, and she's now taking over leading our entire team here at Happen to Your Career. So she gets to implement and lead many of the systems and processes that cause our team to have more fulfilling work. Welcome back to the podcast, Cindy.
0: Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. So let's kick this off here. I know this is a bonus episode. So, it's a it's a shorter time frame, but what I'd love to do is talk through some examples of how we actually functionally in the real world create more fulfilling work for our team here at HTYC. And can you just talk for a moment about why that is personally important to you?
0: Absolutely the reason that it's important for me, you kind of said it earlier, we obviously want to be the example for the world. And I also know that I've been in lots of different types of leadership roles. And I wasn't always given the opportunity in those leadership roles to create an environment that made for more meaningful and fulfilling work for my team. So being here and being able to flex those muscles of learning more about my team, learning more about our team and being able to really help them hone in on what do they love to do? What do they get really hyped about? How can we utilize that? Because that's where all the good bits come, right? When people are working at their best. So for me, I think anyone who's in a leadership role, anybody who wants to be a leader, if you're a leader already and you just don't have that title, these are all ways that you can start to build your team in a more fulfilling way, and help them build themselves, and it just keeps going, and it's just more fun to be at work that way too.
1: Completely agreed, and we're really fortunate that a lot of a lot of our audience. It's, in fact, <laughs> chances are, if you're listening to this right now, you have been in a leadership role, are currently leading a team, or probably are going to lead a team. We just have a tendency to work with a lot of people that really want to focus on those higher areas of responsibility in one way or another, but also are determined to find meaningful work for themselves. Well, that's not what this episode is about, though. It's about how to do that for other people, how to do that for your team or future team. And when you think about what we do here, what are some of the ways that stand out to you, Sandy, when you think about functionally how... How do we build into, how do we bake into how we're operating as a a company to create more fulfilling work or to continue to more and more operate in our strengths versus less time in areas that aren't really our strengths? What are some of the standout areas for you?
0: Yeah, I would say first and foremost, it begins with our interview process, right? Before folks even become part of the HPYC team, we start to focus on what's ideal for them, what are their strengths, what are they looking for? So we have folks who are in our interview process complete what we call an ideal career profile, which is something that we also do with our clients. So we start asking those questions before they even come on the team of what does ideal look like for them. That way, right from the get-go, we can start to see where the alignment is or perhaps the misalignment.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we were just having a conversation this morning, we're hiring for a role and What has a tendency to happen is that as people are coming into into an interview process, not just with us, but any organization in the world, you come in and you, you don't know everything. How could you? So we feel like it's our responsibility to try to do a little bit of detective work and figure out, is this likely to be a longer term alignment? And that's what I hear you talking about. So we do that by... (laughs) maybe not so strangely utilizing some of the same exact tools that we use for our clients to help make sure that people coming into or potentially coming into our organization are very clear on what they want. That way we don't find out six months down the road that, oh my goodness, this really what we thought was going to be a fit is not actually that much of a fit because that doesn't do anybody any good as it turns out.
0: Yeah. I love that we do that. I remember when I was going through the interview process and it, it kind of caught me, it obviously caught me off guard because it wasn't something that I was used to. Yeah. And there was this, this really heavy focus on what my purpose was and what my drive was that I really hadn't experienced in a lot of other environments going in into an interview process. So I think that any, any hiring leader can, can, start to focus there on who is this person really? And I I think we want to do that. I think, I don't know, there's some sort of stigma about doing that and we have to be all business right away. But I think the more you can get to know somebody right away and what's really important to them, then you're gonna know if what's important to them is important to you. So I think any leader should, everybody tends to be a little shy, right? Even those who are the interviewers tend to be a little bit shy when they start this process. And I loved the fact that we we were, were candid right away and we appreciate when folks are candid right away, so.
1: Absolutely. One thing I'll say about that before we move on is that when we're going through the, the interview process, we've actually designed the application and interview process and it's by no means perfect and we're continuously making improvements, which is also baked into our culture, by the way. But it is designed so that you have someone who is who's going to enjoy that deeper exploration which that type of person is a more of a fit at our organization is going to hate the interview process or they're going to hate the they're going to look at it as cumbersome or tedious or whatever else and so literally in how we've designed the the process That actually helps us be able to say no or people to say no to us is what most frequently happens. And I can't tell you the number of times I've gotten emails from people that are like, Hey, I think you should make some improvements into your process. This seems like you've got all these questions that are in there. And what we find is that the right person for our organization is like, Oh my goodness, like this was amazing. And other people are like, wow, that was super tedious. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's actually 100% intentional. And what I would encourage you to do as a a leader, especially if you are in charge of bringing people into your organization, is to identify what you need in your organization, what you want in your organization, what are the types of people and experiences that are going to be the best fit and best in alignment and benefit the most from being in that, that organization. And then design the process with those people in mind. And yes, it's going to be different for different people in different roles. You have to have those considerations too, of course. So what else, Cindy, then, when you think about beyond beyond the interview process, once people get yeah. into our organization, what else stands out to you?
0: Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me right away was our doc sides. So we, I guess in the traditional world, they would be reviews, quarterly reviews, I they're right,
1: not, though. They're Should we tell the so story how how Docsides came about? I
0: would love for you to tell that story because for me, this was so amazing coming on the team and kind of doing it this way. So uh, yes, t- tell everybody, Scott. Okay.
1: So first of all, I come from an HR background. And in HR, there's the whole standard, you will have your quarterly review or biannual review or whatever. And everyone hates them. Not everyone, but pretty much everyone hates them. And they're rarely done well by most organizations. So it turns into this massive joke it, to some degree. And I didn't want that. And none of, none of our team wants that. So instead, what we've chosen to do is two things. One, for performance feedback, we deliver that every single day. That's just integrated into our culture. And we are... Not perfect at having those conversations and delivering performance feedback, but we know from all of the data and research that it's so much more valuable when it can happen real time and we can address that on an ongoing basis. So we actually separate out that element, that part of it, and instead focus on almost 90% of our doc sides, what we call doc sides, on developmental. And here's here's how it came about. We started meeting in person after, after a little while, after we'd built the organization. So a few years in, we started actually meeting more frequently in person as a team. And at one of those points in time, we went through that check-in process. So we called it at the, at the time. And we decided, you know what? how can we make this an absolutely amazing experience as opposed to the traditional experience of, oh, I got to have my quarterly review again. So we said, well, what if we did it down by the water? We were in Moses Lake here. And what if we just did it down next to the water on the dock? And there seems something very poetic about coming to check in, almost like a boat coming into harbor at the dock every so often. Let's come back to port Let's come back, let's go to the dock and then let's check in, let's refuel, let's determine what we need for the next voyage. And that's that's what then turned in to what we now know as dock sides. Okay, so back to you, Sandy, what stands out to you? What, what is baked into those dock sides from your perspective that allows us to do more fulfilling work?
0: I think the questions, the way the questions are worded, they are specifically asking about what is going to create that more fulfilling work for us. So I love that element of it because you're not thinking about what's missing. You're thinking about what's going to give you more, right? And it's it can be challenging if you really enjoy your role and then you're asked, what would make this even more fulfilling? It's like, would you like more ice cream on top? It's like, yes, please. I would love that, right? So it's an opportunity to ask for the things that you think are going to help you grow. So I think that's really crucial. And I love the fact that in our organization, we're allowed to touch things that I think in other organizations you wouldn't be allowed to touch, right? So the doc sides are a really great place to kind of raise your hand and say, hey, I'd love to try this out or do this. And I think most importantly, there's a question on our doc side that specifically asks what our leader does to impede the team. And again, like the first time you're going through this, you're thinking, oh man, what should I say? This is my boss, whatever. And we've built this culture that allows us to be open about those things. Leaders are receptive to those things. And it becomes another area, not just for the team to be able to grow and be more fulfilled, but yes, for the leaders too, to be able to grow and be more fulfilled as well, because there's that really open dialogue.
1: And what I would say here, having worked in a lot of different environments over the years, is that some cultures are not all the way there, not entire organizational cultures. We're not all the way there where you have a space to trust your boss and say, you know what, you are, (laughs) you're actually impeding the team by doing these three things. I would love to see this differently. And that's okay. That is 100% okay. But what I would challenge you as leaders is even if you're in an organization currently where That doesn't have an overall culture. You can still build a microculture with the people that you support, your team. You can still build a microculture. And yes, it's going to take some work, but you can still get to the point where you're continually asking for that feedback and then making changes and circling back around with your team members and your direct reports to show that those changes have been made and develop that type of trust where then the next time you go to ask those questions you get real feedback and then you can make real changes that's the beauty of having real feedback is like you can actually do something with it so much more than the well i think everything's going pretty well but it's not yeah here's a I'm couple you- of, i'll read a couple of questions off here that we take the time to include on our doc side so one is are you happy with your total compensation If so, how is it helping you to accomplish your goals? It's like their personal goals outside of life. We have all this research to indicate that if people don't perceive that they're paid fairly, or if they're not getting enough compensation to accomplish their goals, like eventually there's going to be an expiration date, right? So let's address that openly as much as we possibly can. Which areas of your work were you like more or less direction from me on? What's one thing that would make your work more satisfying and why? 500 words or less just kidding we don't have the 500 words yes but another one this is what I think you were alluding to Sandy if you were to create your ideal position how would it differ from what you're currently doing you and I had a conversation not that long ago about that and that's part of why you're in a different role or taking on in the process of taking on a different role than what you had a year ago
0: yeah absolutely I was gonna say almost before right before we even get to doc Just We should have got an order just after the interview process. They're on the team. I think one of the other things that's really unique about what we do and how we kind of function is our handbooks, right? Mm. So there's a handbook for working at HTYC. There's a handbook for working with Scott. There's a handbook for working with Cindy. So it takes a lot of the guesswork. Even when folks are, I remember I started the interview process and boom, there was that handbook. And I was like, what is this? Why are they giving me all the secrets already? But it's about transparency right? It's just another way that we can show folks, this is how we like to work. This is how I like to work as a leader. This is what it's like to work with me. And I think that it also takes some of the guesswork out of those things that happen later on with how do we communicate? How do I ask for things? It's all built into that handbook already really, really magnificently so that folks can really see this is what it's about.
1: I think the thing we hear over and over again is, wow, like that, level of sharing is not what i'm used to not so much in a tmi sort of way but i think a, when normal handbooks conventional handbooks get put together they're like this collection of policies and we don't we say handbook we call it the same thing but it's not actually the same thing what it is is more like a guide on how you can be successful and how to operate and how we operate as a as a team within our environment so it is continually with the question of how can we set our team members up for success in this environment? And that's, that is, I mean, that is how the handbooks were created. So you mentioned the the team handbook and I'll just read off a couple of things that are in there. We have our operating system, AKA how we work together as a team. We have how to work more effectively than the entire rest of the world. We have the five keys that we've learned as a team for our environment. Meetings, how to turn the, from the worst part of the workday to the best and most effective tool for working together. We have things that we don't do here, like why we don't tolerate negativity at HDYC and what that means. We have team development and growth, how we look at spending time, money, and resources. Time away, And we even have links to all of, we use Google Docs, so this is not like a physical handbook that we print out, but we have links to all of the other handbooks, like our team handbooks or the handbook to working with Scott or the handbook to working with Cindy. So yeah, for you, what did that do for you, Cindy, when you came onto the team? And I know the first one that you probably had exposure to was the handbook to working with Scott.
0: Yeah. I think first of all, I thought I had accidentally gotten access to some document that is an applicant I wasn't supposed to have, (laughs) but but I think what it did was it, it got me to ask myself the question, if they're going to be this transparent, are you ready to be this transparent? Mm. Are you ready? I've told you this many times, Scott, I drink the Kool-Aid. I I shower in the Kool-Aid of HTYC because I love what we do. I don't know if I would have gotten as clear of a picture of what we were really about without those handbooks because it was just, it was so clear to me. It was like the red hat thing that Simon Sinek talks about. Like I had my red hat on and I saw the HCYC red hat. I'm like, oh, I have a red hat on like I do. I think it just, it it gives different ways for folks to be able to look at an organization, not just talking to a recruiter or talking to a hiring manager. It gives a little, it gave a little insight to me You know, if I were a stuffy person and I cared about grammar at all, I probably would have said, no way, man, I can't work for this guy. He, punctuation is terrible. But for me, I was like, oh, he doesn't care about punk. I don't care about punctuation either. That seems like a good fit, right? It's it's those little flags for me that I was looking for to say, this this just solidifies that this is a place I belong.
1: That's interesting on the grammar piece. I actually kind of love that. But I mean, that gives you a full... So I'll, I'll say two things about like the handbook to working with Scott. And by the way, if if you want to check this out, just email me, send to Scott, it happened to your career and just put handbook in the subject line and I'll, I'll send you a link to my handbook You can see the same thing that we work with. And all of the leaders on our team have a similar handbook and I'll share with you what's in it too. It starts out with my priorities. Just to be very clear, I want to be really clear when Cindy and I are working together, She knows my priorities so that I can, one, communicate them and I can have a higher chance of living those priorities if I am transparent about those. So my priorities start with my wife and then my kids, HTYC and our other businesses, and then things like ice hockey and strength training and stand-up paddleboarding or whatever the latest thing I'm into right at the moment, and then travel right behind that and then music right behind that. And then Marvel comics or nerdy sci-fi books or movies, especially X-Men, especially if I can go with my kids. Like Those are the types of things that are on there for my priorities. And then behind all of those is everything else. So I want to make sure that I'm communicating really clear. That way, when I decline a meeting two years from now, And say, I'm, I'm taking my wife to this place and it's really important to me. Then I don't, I don't have to like explain it any further. Everybody on the team just knows and vice versa too. Like you and I have, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of what is, what are your priorities, Cindy? Because we talk pretty openly about that and the handbook's just a way to start that. But it also has what I stand for, what I'm looking for from you. If you report directly to me on our team. And there's things like ask forgiveness, not permission, what I'm looking for in meetings, tasks, information, or approvals that you need with from me, how to handle deadlines and goals. There's a section in there that says, make it easy for me to pay you more. And here's a cheat sheet on how to do that. I would love to pay you more and that's good for me and good for you. So let's figure out how to do that. But yeah, all of those things are included in in the handbook and it just makes it easier in so many different ways. So yeah, email me scottatappintoyourcareer dot com. Put handbook in the subject line. I'll send you a link to the handbook. You can check it out. Maybe make your own for your team.
0: Yeah, I think it it goes back to when you were talking about setting up the interview process to be based on what are the needs, what are you looking for. When we create these handbooks, it really is about okay, people can self vet at that point. They could read your handbook and say absolutely not, like that's not that's not what I want. And it's it makes it easier. It just makes it easier for for everybody.
1: Okay. Here's to round out this episode here. What do you think is one thing that leaders or future leaders who might be listening to this episode can do to start creating more fulfilling work for their team?
0: I would say get to understand and know your teams individually. What makes them tick, what they love to do. The things that make them curious, what they do when they're not there, right? Get to know your teams and then let your teams get to know you. Mm. I think a lot of leaders put up that, that barrier, that leadership wall, right? Where they feel like they can't be vulnerable with their team because they're the leader. Knock that down, like knock that wall down. Get to know your team, let your team get to know you, figure out what are their strengths, what are your strengths and, and start with that.
1: I love it. And Not just because it sounds really wonderful, but because that then turns into hitting goals later on that are seemingly impossible. Or that turns into, functionally, when things get hard, being having the difference of feeling like we're in this together, as opposed to my leaders doing this to me. So... Yeah, for all those reasons and so many more. Thank you very much for sharing what we have going on here and providing the stories and the details so that other people can learn from it and and borrow from our things. Anytime. We'll see you all next time right here on Happen to Your Career. Until then, we are out. Adios.